0: So we've been talking about experiencing the Spirit-filled life because I'm convinced that God wants you to be a victorious, uh, vivacious uh, Christian, a person who uh, seems to be full of life. And it's not just because you've uh, worked yourself up, but because you've been open to God's working in your life. And certainly, we want to talk today about the positive work of the Holy Spirit. Our verse of scriptures are found in Galatians chapter 5, Galatians 5, one of the New Testament books, and it it reads this in verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Would you read that aloud with me, please? Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's a great verse. And in fact, I uh, have to admit, as many times as I've read the book of Galatians, this particular verse seemed to leap off the page for me because it was stated in a phrase that, I'm not sure that I have uh, really given much thought to it, but it says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. May we get that into our spirits this week, and may we uh, truly uh, live this out in the way that it compels us to do so. So since moving here about 27 years ago, there's been one person in our neighborhood that's um, been very uh, difficult and has caused all kinds of problems for me personally uh, I have done everything I know to get along with this person I have uh, I have made every effort I've uh, found however that person to continually be a challenge to me on a daily basis uh, I have attempted to uh, to work with this person I believe honestly that this person on occasion has tried to keep me or prevent me from being the the follower of Jesus that I believe I should be. And in fact, maybe even uh, tried to affect my uh, fulfillment of the calling upon my life as a leader. At times, this person, this one person, isn't it amazing, just one person in in our neighborhood has frustrated me, has disappointed me, has uh, let me down, and even made me mad at times and this week I talked to this person and I said hey listen I'm speaking at Horizon can I tell everybody who you are so they can be on the alert (laughs) to which this person agreed that they would allow me to share with you who that person was and I'm not only going to share with you that person's name but I'm going to show them the picture of this guy so here he is right here (laughs) his name is Bill Wilson and I can see by your reaction that some of you've had trouble with him as well I can relate. I've been struggling with this guy for 62 years. Every one of us in this room has that one person in your life that causes you problems. And no, it's not me. As much as you'd like to blame me for things, and I've met with people, and finally they've looked at me and said, it's all your fault. I've been in marriage counseling situations where the couples are at each other, uh, they're, they're fighting with each other in my office, and then they turn and finally stamp their, or they, uh, they stomp their hand or slam their hand on the desk and they say, it's all your fault. And I hear I'm trying to help them. But it's not me. It's not me. This frustration that we have, how can we deal with it? You too have this person. You know, soon after you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you become a follower of Jesus like most of you have. And you recognize the work of the cross that Jesus did for you, to forgive you of all of your sin, and to put a, a new spirit in you, you come face to face with a shocking and startling and sobering discovery that you are in a personal battle, a personal battle. What should you do to win that battle? What should you do to be victorious? And from God's word, we find answers. And I'm going to emphasize three words this morning, they're in your outline and your uh, folder today, the word challenge, the word contrast, and the word change. Number one, in dealing with this battle, we need to be alert to the challenge. We need to be alert to the challenge. Verse number 16 of Galatians 5, it reads this way, so I, I say, live by the Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that there, there's an unholy spirit in the world? I mean, we live, in, uh, we live in the Northwest, we live in the Portland metro area, there's no problem in understanding that there is an unholy spirit in the world. But here it's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's saying, so I say, live by the spirit of the Holy Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So there are three foes or enemies of your faith. One is the external foe which we might call the world system. That system of our culture of today that's seen around the world is to write God out of everything that you do, don't include him, and live without any thought of God. And of course, that's what the Bible refers to as the world system or the world ways. To abandon and discredit the message of Jesus Christ. That's one, and, and they want us, that, that system wants us to ignore who God is and who Jesus Christ is. That's one foe that we need to be alert to. The second is what we call the infernal, or what I will call the infernal foe, and that's the devil. Now, the devil or Satan is not a figment of our imagination. The Bible describes him very clearly, and although I'm not going to give him a lot of uh, time here this morning, I would just make us aware of the fact that there is one who seeks to devour you, he, he, the Bible describes him as like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus said he's one that has come to, to steal your joy, steal your life. He'd like to destroy you. He'd like to even kill you, the Bible says in John chapter 10 and verse 10. He'd like to take you out. So he's constantly looking, looking for ways in which he could do that to you. That's what we call the infernal foe. But there's a third battle, and that's what we call the internal foe. That's the old sinful nature. That's the, uh, the part that has been passed on to us from our father Abraham. It's part of, or I should say Adam. It's, it's part of our, our nature. It's part of uh, when we're born into this world with a sinful nature. You've heard that. That's why Jesus came. If there was no sinful nature, he would have never come to die. And I have found that the, The world isn't my greatest problem because Jesus said, I have overcome the world, and and we can as well. I have found that even the devil isn't my greatest problem because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen? I have found that the old sinful nature, that lingering fleshly nature, as the Bible describes it, is the stuff that I have to deal with and I've got to battle with. And I need to be alert to that challenge I, need, I, I'm, I must not close my eyes to the the fact that there is an old nature that seems to come knocking from time to time. So the question is, what am I going to do about this old nature? How am I going to deal with the enemy that would like to rob me of my victory and make me a victim in life? So I have to be alert to the challenges. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 says, So be on your guard. Do not... Uh, not asleep like, like others, stay alert and be cleared, clear-headed. I should Let me read that again because I didn't do well. So let's try it again. Everybody okay if I read it again? Just forget about the last one. It wasn't good. Okay, First Thessalonians 5, 6. So be on your guard. Everybody say, so be on your guard. Be on your guard. So it says, you know, we got to be awake. We got to be alert to the challenge. Not asleep like the others speaking of those who have disregarded, but stay alert and be clear-headed. Now, wasn't that a better reading than the first? I agree. Yes, that was outstanding. Galatians 5 helps us by being alert and discerning the challenges. And we not only need to be alert to the challenges, but we must be mindful of the contrasts. Mindful of the contrast. Look again at verse 25, our, our theme verse today, since we live by the Spirit, let us stay in step, let's move with the Spirit, let's go with where the Spirit of God is keeping us, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So I have a good friend of mine, his name's Bob, and, and Bob is a, a very successful businessman in the Portland metro area. And uh, Bob was a young man who uh, uh, lived a, a wild and wealthy life. Uh, he he uh, was very successful early on, went into business with the family, and their business just shot through the roof. I mean, things were, the contracts were coming in, and things were going very, very well. Bob was the kind of guy that never had any credit issues because he lived on cash. He bought everything by cash. He, he, his mind was clear. He was very strategic. And he would, if you were to ask him, how's your life going? He'd say, my life is full, but really, Bob's life was empty. Bob's life was empty, but he didn't know it. He didn't know it. One day, uh, he got a call from a a gentleman who wanted him to come and bid a a project in the West Hills of of Portland, and he really didn't want the job. Now, that sounds crazy, isn't it? When you're in business, you would say, I'm not turning down jobs, but things are going so well, he became selective. And so he said, I don't want this job, so, but I'll go over there and give him a, a bid. And so he went over, looked at the, the project over, and he gave him the highest bid he could think of. Uh, he said, the guy won't call me back, but to his surprise, a few days later, the guy said, I want you to do the job. And Bob's saying to himself, but I don't want the job. But the guy said, I'm gonna pay you big money, I want you to, so he agreed he would do this. And so this project was gonna take him a couple of weeks, and every day, On his way to the job, he drove by our church, and he saw this big sign that advertised the church. And after a couple of days going by, something said to him in his spirit, you need to go to that church. Now, Bob had never been to church before. He grew up in a family that didn't go to church, they weren't engaged, much like our generation today. You know, just really, this was uh, his normal life. The only time he said, the only time I've ever been to church is I went to a funeral once and I went to a wedding. That was it. I've never been to church, but he kept hearing this still small voice compelling him to come to the church. So finally into the second week, he got tired of hearing this voice, so he decided, I'm going to silence this voice, and I'm going to drive into the parking lot of the church and sit in the parking lot. It's like going to the grocery store and and wishing for food and sitting in the parking lot. He just was going to sit there, and maybe the feeling would go away. Now, you try this at lunchtime today when you go to the restaurant. Just sit in the parking lot, see how it feels. So he sat there for a few moments, and he said the feeling got stronger and stronger. It didn't go away. This really frustrated him because, number one, he didn't want to go to church. Number two, why was this voice compelling him to come to this church? So finally, towards the end of this project, going by this church every day and feeling this compelling to coming, come to church there, to go into that building, not just sit in the parking lot, he made the decision that he would go. And the emotions that any of us feel going into some place we've never been before, I'm sure were uh, heightened by the fact that he was actually going to a church and not a club downtown which, by the way, he was familiar with all of them. And uh, walking in and meeting people he'd never met before, he was familiar with everybody, he was in control of everything. He thought he had everything, but this was his life. And the day he parked his car in the parking lot, got out of it, and boldly walked through the front door of that church, what happened next totally surprised him. Totally surprised him. There's something, there is something about the presence of the Holy Spirit. There is something about the work of the Holy Spirit. There is something about the Holy Spirit living in us that makes a tremendous difference. And we must be mindful of the contrast of the Spirit of God. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, these words are part of a letter called Galatians, written to some Christian churches in Galatia. And it's part of a result of Paul's missionary journeys. And many scholars feel that this is the first book that Paul ever wrote. And one of the reasons he wrote this book was to bring correction to some false teaching that was taking place in Galatia. Some false teachers from Jerusalem had come to declare that Jesus' work on the cross wasn't sufficient to truly be a believer. It was the cross plus, and we see a lot of that today. But as you read through this book, you're going to find some key words. For example, Paul talks a lot about grace, he talks a lot about faith, and he talks a lot about love. And towards the end of this book of correction and clarity about our Christian faith, he brings some clear words about us being alert to the contrast, being mindful of the contrast of the old nature and the new nature. The the old nature, that prior to Christ and that after coming into a relationship with him. Look at verse number 16 of chapter 5. So I say, live by the Spirit. Let's say that with me. Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. Have you found that to be true? There is a battle going on there. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh? They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, if you're guided by the Spirit, if you're full of the Holy Spirit and he's guiding your life, you, will not, uh, you are not under the law. The law was not designed to save you. It was to clarify that you needed Jesus, and that's the case. And so Paul contrasts, we need to be mindful of the contrast of the old life, what we call the sinful nature, and the new life, which is referred to as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, the acts of the sinful nature he describes very clearly. Look at verse number 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, which is the activity of someone who has become intoxicated and they're just unruly in their life, idolatry. Witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And Paul says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he lists for us 15 acts of the sinful nature. Now notice, this is not the works of the devil. A lot of people blame the devil for a lot of stuff that he doesn't do. These are the acts of the sinful nature, the tendencies of the sinful character of a person who isn't controlled by the Spirit of God. And they can be divided into three categories. He refers to sexual sins here like adultery and fornication and so on. He speaks of spiritual sins like that of worshiping things or idolatry. And he speaks of social sins, selfish ambition, envy, and fits of rage. The Bible calls all of these things sin against God. They're part of the sinful nature. This is why Jesus came in the first place. And then he goes on to say in verse 16, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You will not gratify this list that I'm giving you of these 15 things that represent the old sinful nature. You get victory over the sinful nature, these things that we battle with by being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how, that's how I'm dealing with this guy in my neighborhood. That's how you can deal with the, most num- the number one problem person in your life. It's the Spirit of God working in you and filling you. This is how you can live a victorious life and not be drugged back into... Not be drugged back into stuff that you walked away from. Things that are out to destroy you. The sinful nature. The things that are breaking up families and destroying marriages and uh, and causing complications in uh, in life itself and any relational aspect. Honesty and truthfulness and so on. Now he gives, we got to be mindful of the contrast, now he gives us a list of the fruit of the Spirit. And he gives us nine positive qualities of Christ that are to be at work in our lives. Look at verse 22 through 23. These are very famous verses. And perhaps you have looked at these before. We'll just highlight them for a moment. But the fruit of the Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit, is love, joy. Let's read them together. We we are familiar enough with them. Let's read them out loud. Is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the previous ones break the law. These say these exceed the law. What a list. <clears throat> Wouldn't you like to be married to somebody that's in this list? Wouldn't you like to work for somebody who has this kind of character? Wouldn't you like to hire people that have this kind of character? Rather than taking drug tests, we should take fruit of the spirit tests. Find out if they uh, fit into this category. These are the personality, character traits of a spirit-filled person, Paul says. They're attractive. People who have these characters, listen, I'm telling you, if you want to be an attractive person, no matter how you are built physically, these attractive characters draw people to you. They're productive. They're lovable. They please God. So Paul gives us this wonderful list. Because uh, they are keys to true happiness and hopefulness in our lives because they are the character of Christ. Note, these qualities are called fruit. Not fruits, but fruit. And there's a clear contrast between the acts of sinful nature and the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, because it's singular, it means that I'm just not a real loving person and have no self-control. I'm not just a gentle person but have no joy or peace. It's all part of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. These are the fruits of the Spirit. Now let me just say that fruit isn't something that we manufacture. It's been created by God. It's... uh, uh, a work of God and yes we might be involved in cultivating the fruit of the Spirit but recognize that this is a result of the Spirit of God working in your life and in, a, in a, a very confused culture with regards to spirituality which is built in the culture today all based on what I can do and what I accomplish that causes me to be truly spiritually tuned in in a culture that thinks Oprah is Jesus in a culture that thinks Dr. Phil is, uh, is uh, an apostle, uh, in a culture that thinks Ellen is an epistle, you know, I'm just telling you that there's a lot of confusion about spirituality. But we must understand that we do cultivate the work of the Spirit in us. And as a result of that, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit grows in our lives. So he gives us this long list. He gives us the list nine, Qualities of love, which speaks of agape love, which is unconditional love. Joy, my wife's name is Joy. Joy makes life enjoyable, she would say. Joy is the attitude about life. Peace, speaking of spiritual and emotional, relational peace that begins at the cross with Jesus Christ. Patience, that endurance, that hang in there, tough stuff, kindness, it's love and action, it's benevolence. It's caring. It's compassion. We're all about justice today. This is about the fruit of the Spirit working in us that brings kindness and goodness, fulfilling our purpose. It's, it's faithfulness, the reliability, trustworthiness, dependability, gentleness is the strength under control. It's not weakness. It's strength under control. And it's self-control, mastering our passions, honoring God with our life, knowing that there are times when we have to hold on and we have to stand strong. Fruit is a public testimony of our dependence on the Holy Spirit at work. When you see the fruit of the Spirit in my life and I see it in your life, I, this is what I say. It's not just because you tried real hard. It's because you're allowing God to work in you and through you in your life. And I'm just going to tell you right now, this is going to be tested. This is going to be a test. You'll be put to the test. I was driving home on Interstate 5 coming from Portland and most of you who've driven that road during rush hour on a Friday know that it's uh, generally bumper to bumper especially from uh, you know the curves all the way through Haines down south uh, through 217 and now even into Tualatin and out to Wilsonville. And I was in a hurry like I'm always in a hurry and you know how many of you drive real slow cuz you're not in a hurry. Most of us guys like to keep the wheels moving. And I was kind of in a hurry and So I've learned, I've driven this road long enough, I knew that there were certain lanes that were better than others, and I found that if I could get clear over to the left lane, excuse me, to the right lane, and drive on the right side, that we could, uh, I could make it faster. And so I saw an opening, and I pulled out into that right lane, and I thought, I'm going to get around all this traffic when this old, dumpy, run-down, jalopy of a pickup pulled in front of me and slammed on his brakes. I thought, what is that guy thinking? So I thought, well, I'll get around him. So I pulled back into the middle lane trying to get around him and he pulled in front of me and slammed on his brakes again. How many of you know I'm human? <clears throat> so I thought, one more time. So I pulled to the right and now I'm gonna get around him. And he pulled in front of me and slammed on his brakes again. Now. Here is where you deal with uh, you have to be mindful of the contrast. The old nature, that troubled guy in my neighborhood, that guy was struggling with what he was going to do. Now, there's, there's no signage on my car that says, this is a pastor. <laughs> this is a man of God, married to a woman of God. I don't have bumper stickers all over my car. It's very, you wouldn't know. And you, I'm just, and I'm thinking, and the Spirit of God spoke to me. Honestly, He spoke to me. He said, "Back off and let the guy go." And I said, "But Lord." <laughs> so I backed off, and I, a little frustrated, and ah, oh, why did that guy do that? And I finally got home probably one minute later than I normally would. But uh, <laughs> next Sunday I went to church and. Charles sat on the front row. Charles, about six foot eight, six foot nine, kind of guy that you just, if you have to have a bodyguard, he's the kind of guy. And just, he was very expressive, and I just uh, loved Charles. And he, everybody loved him in the church. Big guy, big hands, big praise God, hallelujah, preach it, pastor, kind of guy. And he came to me after service and said, Pastor, 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 I saw you on Friday. I said, you did, Charles? Where'd you see me? He said, I saw you on I-5. He said, I was watching you, Pastor. He said, I saw this guy pull in front of you in that old pickup, and I thought, how come that guy's doing that to my pastor? I saw you try to get around and pulled in front of you again. Well, look at that guy. I wonder what my pastor's going to do. And he said, I was so proud of you, Pastor. You backed off, gave that guy room. You didn't overreact. You didn't get upset. You just cruised right down the road and said, oh, that guy must be having a bad day, Pastor. I was so proud of you, Pastor. And I'm thinking, Charles, if you only knew. (laughs) Now, the reason you're laughing about this is because you've been in the same kind of situations. It may not be on I-5, but it's somewhere. It may not be uh, me, but it may be somebody. And the fruit of the Spirit is what we need to be mindful of. There is a contrast. And God does a work when we allow him to do that work in us. We not only have to be alert to the challenges, we've got to be mindful of the contrast, but we must be eager for the change. Look at verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. The positive work of the Holy Spirit brings undeniable changes into our lives. the the, the we we call it the dunamis factor the the power of the Holy Spirit, that explosive work of the Spirit of God that starts changing our character. Because many of us have been here. Oh yeah, we had a lot of stuff. We've had so much stuff in our garage that the last person went in there and never came out. We couldn't find them. (laughs) We've We've got ribbons and awards and trophies of success. Some people even worship the ground we walk on. Some people look at us as successful, but we know this is really what it's like. But God intends you to be like this. It doesn't happen overnight, but as you allow him to work in your life, he begins to change you. And here's how it can happen. First of all, I want to suggest to you that you begin to cultivate The deep spiritual roots of your life. You do that through prayer and you do that through the looking into God's word and reading slowly and allowing it to develop in your life. Because the Bible says in John 15 that if we'll remain in him, he'll remain in us. It goes on to say that he's the great gardener. We need to begin to clear out the things that are a distraction to us. There are some things that perhaps aren't a problem for you but they become a distraction to me so I clear them out. And I don't allow them to possess my time. I've made a commitment to the Lord that there, there are certain times of the, of the week that I am not going to be on Facebook or in, connected to technology because those are the times when I need to devote myself completely to God. And yes, I want to be socially connected, but I'm not going to let that social connection dominate who I am. So I've got to clear out some, some, uh, some uh, distractions. Distractions. Does it mean that if I'm on Facebook, I'm going to hell? On occasion, I thought so, but no. But it means that sometimes it can be a distraction to me. But I need to begin to connect with other mature believers, finding people. Listen, you younger believers, the best thing I can suggest to you is to keep coming to church and find people who are mature in faith and get around them and allow them to help you grow in your faith. Begin to cooperate with God. That's a novel idea. Begin to allow God to stir up into you and prune out the stuff that doesn't need to be there and, and, and cooperate with Him as He's developing you through opportunity to serve Him and follow Him. So we need to, we need to cultivate the work of God. We need to be alert to the challenge, mindful of the, the contrast, and we need to be eager to see these changes in our lives. So when Bob came... To church that day for the very first time for a regular service in his life as an adult who had all the trappings of success but was just like this bull he said in the service he didn't understand some of the aspects of the service but he didn't need to he didn't even need to know uh, me personally he didn't need to understand necessarily all of the message as some of you didn't catch everything, or maybe something else came to your mind as I spoke. But the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the one who we've been focusing on, the one who sets apart churches that are vibrant and alive, the most important person in the room this morning is the Holy Spirit. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. Began to speak to him. In fact, he had been speaking to him as he drove by the church, and the reason that was happening is people just like you and I we're praying, Lord, when they see the sign on the road, compel them to come in. Bring them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Even when they're driving down the road and they look up and see that sign, may they feel like, oh, I've got to go in there. And Bob was one of those who responded to that compelling, as were their hundreds of others. Bob came and sat in the back and observed the service. And although he didn't know the music, and although he didn't completely understand the format or the, the schedule that day, and he didn't necessarily even trust me, the Spirit of God said, Bob, this is what's missing in your life. Yeah, you got it all together, Bob. You got it all together. The world thinks you're something, but this is your life. But Bob, I'd like to do something that would make your life full and overflowing. I'd like to do something in your life that you can't do for yourself. And on that day, Bob had something he never expected happen. He gave his heart to Jesus. He opened his heart to the work of the Lord. And in the weeks to come, he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the next year or so, he would meet this wonderful young lady in our church. She wasn't from the party scene that he'd known most of his young adult life. And she won his heart, and they got married. And they've raised two wonderful young teenage boys. Both of those boys, you know where they go to high school? They go to Horizon High School, Christian High School, right here. This is the campus. Their their boys have played basketball on this floor when it's been open for that. All because, all because God did something in a man's life who thought he had it all together was like this but if you were to meet Bob today and perhaps you have met him his life's like this I like being around him here's this guy who's only known the Lord half of of the time that I've known the Lord but his life is full of the fruit of the spirit I trust him I have confidence in him his word is true he loves Jesus, he loves his family is he perfect? not yet, not yet, not yet we're still working on him on a few things But God's changed his life and filled it to overflowing. And time and time again, he said, Pastor, you don't know. I never knew, I never knew, and some of you this morning never have known the fullness of God's Spirit. I'd encourage you. Are you gonna live your life like this? Or are you gonna live your life like this? Which one does God have in store for you? I trust you'll understand the moving of the Holy Spirit and never forget his powerful work in your life.